Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Sometimes it's just good to move on to a new season. And then other times, it just feels like you can't get past your past. That happens sometimes to me. I feel like I'm, I'm in that place where you go, oh, no, not again. It's like I can't get past my past. I'll tell you who does it to me the most is, is my kids. They love to bring up these stories about, and this is how they usually start, remember that time when dad, and then, and then they start going through it, when I made some kind of mistake, when I did something goofy. They love to tell me all the ways that I pronounce words the wrong way. That seems to be really funny around the, the table when we're having a meal. And they really love to bring up the stories that they know nothing about. They have, they have no context, no background, just things they heard that I did in high school. And they love to just bring, oh, remember when dad, and tried to kind of just condemn me and accuse me with those stories. And it's like, okay, here we go. We don't need to talk about that again. But it seems like they keep coming up because sometimes it feels like you just can't get past your past. Why? Well, sometimes it, I think the past brings us our regrets, right? Our, sometimes our past brings regret. And we look back at those things and we say, I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe that that happened to me. Ah, man, I can't believe I did that. I remember when uh, years ago, when, when we first got a car that had a backup camera on it, I thought it was the coolest thing. And, and we were in this car, and then our other car was parked in the driveway next to it. And I was backing up, and I was so focused on that backup camera because, ah, this is the coolest thing. I'm going to use this thing. I was focused on the backup camera that I totally failed to focus on the things around the sides of the van. And so as I'm backing up, I'm staring at that camera because I thought it was the coolest thing. And as I'm doing it, I clip the, the car that's to the right of me with the mirror on the one car with the mirror on the other. And I just kind of clip them as they're going by because I was so focused on one thing that I missed the big thing around me. Now, it wasn't a big deal and the, the damage really wasn't that visible, but I saw it. Like, I mean, every time I looked at those cars, the first thing I saw were those things. You might not have seen them, but man, they were so obvious to me. And every time I looked at it, the, the past would bring up this regret in my life because there was a time where I focused on something that really didn't matter and then messed up some of the big things around me. Some of you can relate to that. Sometimes our past brings regret. And sometimes our past brings temptation. Like things that have been a part of our past when we get around those things, we're introduced to those things, it stirs up this temptation in us. If you're like me, the old man, the old person is still there inside of me. And I have things, and you have things, and they keep coming up. And here's the deal. More often than not, they're things that we're reminded of in our culture, and the past brings up that temptation. Like, what is it for you? Uh, like what's the place or the thing or the person or maybe even the feeling. Maybe when you're tired or you're hangry or you're stressed. Like when those things come, you're prone to respond in a way that maybe you should not. Sometimes, whether it's regret or temptation, sometimes we just can't get past our past. 
So, so we're in this series of messages that we're calling How To, and we're looking at the pastoral epistles. We're looking at the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. And we spent most of our focus on the letters of First and Second Timothy. Today I want to look at the letter that Paul wrote to Titus, kind of a little section of it, because he really helps us to understand in the culture that Titus was living in, the place where Paul was writing to him to, that, that there's something that helps us if we want to get past our past. Now Titus was the pastor on an island called Crete. Most theologians believe that Paul went there and he either started the church or was investing in the church, leading the church. And when he did, he took Titus with him. Titus was kind of an assistant or an apprentice. And when Paul had to leave, he said, Titus, you stay here. Like, like this church needs a lot of work. And if you've never read the, the short book of Titus in the Bible, the letter from Paul to this young pastor, I'd encourage you, it's only three chapters. It's a lot like 1 Timothy, just kind of more succinct and condensed. And he says, Titus, there's a lot of work for you to do here on Crete. Like the, the, the lives of the Cretans was very legendary. Here's what Paul says about them. Titus chapter 1, verse 12. One of Crete's own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. How's that for a description? They are liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Then he says this, this saying is true. Come on, Paul. <laughs> like he just calls them out. He says, therefore, you got to rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith. He says, look, in the way that they live, you're going to have to call them out because these are the kinds of people the Cretans are. And, and this was legendary. In fact, people commonly understood that the Cretans were people who were cunning and self-serving. There was a verb in the Greek language called kretizo, which means to cretinize, which had this, this idea of someone who would double deal and lie at the same time. There's a legend told about this, this military leader who took over a region for the king, and then when he conquered the region, instead of turning it over to the king at that time, he decided he would just rule it himself. And so he became kind of the, the king of that region. Well, when the real king hears about it, he takes this guy and, and throws him in prison. Well, then there's this group of people who hire this guy named Bolus to get this usurper out of prison, to, to, to rescue him. They want to help him escape. Well, this guy Bolus is from Crete, and he gets this other guy who's a Cretan, and he says, sure, we'll go get the one guy out of prison, and when they get talking, they said, what if we do this instead? Why don't we take the money they gave us, and instead of getting this guy out of prison, let's take that money with no regard to him or our loyalty to others, and then go to the king, tell them what happened, and see if we can even get more money, like their whole idea was their own personal security and advantage. This is just one story that shows you how people felt about the Cretans. They were some pretty shady people. And so now Paul says to Titus, if I'm a follower of Christ and I'm living in a culture of shady people, how am I supposed to live? You ever ask that question? And if you never have, there's a good chance you might. We're living in 2020 in a really interesting year. Pan pandemics, injustice, elections. It causes us to look at the world around us and go, 
how am I supposed to live in this? And then on top of our culture, I, I talk to people all the time who say to me, Pastor, I'm having a hard time getting past my past, what I've done, what other people have done to me. And so much of this that determines how I live in the present. See, our actions always have consequences, but we don't have to be a slave to them. Jesus came, we know, to give us life, and he said he gives us life to the full. So here's the question that we need to consider. How do God's people live in a culture that is driven by the things of your past? So much that we see in our culture, whether it stirs up our regrets or whether it leads us to temptation, how do God's people live in a culture that is driven by your past? Here's today's how-to. We're going to talk about how to get past your past. How do we get past our past? Maybe some of us need to leave some things in the past. Or maybe some of us need to put some things in the past. Let's start by looking at what Paul says to Titus about the past of the people in Crete. In fact, he makes it very clear. He's not just talking about their past. He's talking about mine and yours. He's talking about our past. Here's what he says. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. He says, at one time, we too. So this is like the, the before, right? So before now, in the past, one time, we too were, and watch what he spells out here, foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. By all kinds of passions and pleasures, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's quite a description there. And what I want to do is break these down for just a few moments. Talk about kind of what he's looking at here. Because I think for, for many of us, we can relate in some of these ways. The, the first one that he talks about to us is he says that in the past, we were foolish. He says, in the past, we were foolish. This is the idea that we were without spiritual understanding. We just did things that, that weren't wise. We couldn't see the big picture. We got frustrated. We, we let our attitudes get the best of us. We made bad decisions. We did things without understanding the consequences. And he says, for starters, we were foolish. Then he says, not only were we foolish, but he says that we were disobedient. That that disobedient, that that was a part of it as well. That we disregarded the laws that were there. Maybe these were the things that our parents said. Maybe these were the things that, that were in authority over us that people had said. Maybe it was disobedience to God. And disobedience comes with consequences. But we were foolish. We were disobedient. And then the Bible says that we were, and he, he uses two words here. He says that we were deceived and enslaved that we were deceived and that we were enslaved by what <laughs> well he says by all kinds of passions and pleasures that there were these things that seemed good to us they they stirred something up inside of us they they were pleasant to us they were things that we went after but when they called to us they made promises that they could not keep and they caused us in our foolishness to be disobedient. And then as a result, we were deceived and enslaved. Literally, something called to us and said, this is what you want. But in the process, put us in a place that we did not want to be and that we could not, it seemed, get out of. When we were in that place, that affected us for sure. And he says here that with that, 
came what he says is malice and envy. Malice and envy. And this was how we viewed others, with a disregard for others, with a desire to have what they want. There was this ill will that we didn't like them, and we didn't like if they had good things in their lives, which ultimately, he says, brought us to a point where we were being hated and hating one another. This, this last thing that he talks about, this is the before, right? This is who we were. This was our past, and it was filled with hate. Being hated, that, that word has this concept of being, and, and this is from a definition I saw, being odious, repulsive, and disgusting to others. Man, how's that for a description? And with hating, like, like that's, the, that's the climax of this whole thing. It all builds up to this point where our lives are filled with hate. And isn't that a lot of what we're seeing in our world right now? Like the things that I'm hearing from other people, the things that I'm seeing on the news, whether it be connected to injustice or whether it be connected to an election, whether it's racial hatred or political hatred or, or so much in our lives that, that, that ends up being personal hatred. There's so much of this right now. It's a tough season. And I wonder, how do we get past this? Like, like what do we do? How do we get past our past? And you, you can probably look at some of these things. And see, in your life in the past, in fact, if you're honest, I know that somewhere for all of us, you can look at those things and go, yeah, I've been there. Maybe you might say, I am there, or I'm easily pulled back there. What do we do to deal with these things? Most weeks, as we look at God's word, when I preach, I end up kind of with a, a collection of thoughts, right? And we'll, we'll walk through, and I'll give you multiple points to a sermon. Today, I just got one point. How to get past your past. Just one thing I want you to see. When you can't get past your past, remember what Jesus did. When you can't get past your past, when it seems like you're stuck there, I want to encourage you to remember what Jesus did. Paul says, Titus, before... We were this. And then in verse 4 of Titus chapter 3, he says this, watch. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Look what he goes on to say. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, here's what I have a tendency to do. When I read through those verses, like three, four, five, and six, I can just read right through them without giving real thought to what he says because he gives you this list of vices, if you will, in verse three, and then he shows you what Jesus has done for us in verses four through six. And when we look at those things, it shows us that when you're stuck, when you're focused on your past, when you have a hard time getting past those things, what will change it is if you'll consider what Jesus did. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Let's go back to what he says. He says, but when the kindness of God. What a cool thing for him to talk about because I want you to see this. When we think about hate, that is contrasted with God's kindness towards us because his kindness 
covers hate. That hate that was in our hearts, that hate that was coming towards us, because of what Jesus did, his kindness covers over that hate. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says that Jesus did what he did, that God did what he did in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, we were hated. We were hating. And Jesus instead covers that with his kindness. There is something powerful about kindness. When that hate stirs up inside of you, remember the kindness that God has shown to you. And I got to tell you, that can be a daily thing. This isn't just a theological principle. I think it's really a practical one. In preparing this, I, I was reminded of a great lesson that I learned a while back. I, I received this email that was just kind of nasty. It was snarky. It was uh, kind of rude. And, and what it said was in my mind completely off base. And I got the email, and I don't know if you've ever been in this place, this, this nasty email comes, and when I received it from this person just kind of telling me their opinion, their thoughts about where I was wrong and what I should do, I, I, I gotta admit, I wasn't, I wasn't very pastoral in the moment. I remember looking back, if I remember right, it was a day that I, that I was off, it was, a, it was one of my days off, and I got this email, and I started to run my mouth. And then I went to Rhonda and I started to complain. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to write them back and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And then I said, nah, I'm not even going to do them the honor of me returning that email. I'm, I'm not even going to acknowledge it. And it was like eating at me. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit put in my heart, what if you gave them a kind response? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you, really? Like, Okay, God, have, have you read that email? Did, did you get a sense for what they said? And yet I couldn't shake that what I was supposed to do was respond with kindness. And so I did. Sat down and crafted an email that my flesh kept saying, this is an email this person does not deserve. And can I tell you, I finished it with grace. I finished it with the kindness of God in my heart. And when I clicked send, I felt that, I don't know, tension, hate maybe, kind of lift off from inside of me. Because there was something powerful about responding with kindness. See, just like with Jesus, kindness covers over hate. And I learned a valuable lesson that day that has served me well over and over and over again Look, there's a difference if you want to get past your past. It starts by recognizing that the love of Jesus covers over hate. His kindness covers over hate. And then look at this next one. Not only his kindness, but then that verse talks about his love. His love covers that malice and envy. Like this malice and envy that we see right here is in contrast to and covered by his love. If you have time, go, go read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And it talks about God's love. And it says that we cannot begin to understand how great God's love is for us. How much it changes us. And you know this is true. Like, have you ever seen somebody that when they fall in love, they actually kind of get goofy? Like, like when they fall in love, they, they change, they get this starry look in their eyes, and they start talking different, they start acting different. Because love changes us. 
And it can cover over those, those ill feelings, that, that ill will. And we've got to remember that at the purpose of what we do as Christ followers is love. Here's how Paul said it to Timothy. When he, when he was writing to Timothy about his role in helping a church move forward, he says, Timbo, the goal of this command is love. Like that's what's at the very heart of it. So when we look at getting past our past, that hate is covered over by kindness. That malice and envy is covered over by love. And remember how we were deceived and enslaved? Well, look what Jesus did for us. He instead saved us. He has saved us from being deceived and enslaved. He's gotten us out of that place through what he did on the cross, by, by shedding his blood, by giving his life. He got us out of that place where we were deceived and we were enslaved. I know I've told the story in the past and it came to my mind here about the, the Valentine's Day. This is over 20 years ago when Rhonda and I were, were serving for a few years at a church in Wisconsin. The Valentine's Day that we were going to this, this special event and our youngest, our, our only child at that time, Clayton, was, was just a little baby. And we had, we had dropped him off at a friend's and they were babysitting. And, and we were driving out to where this event was out in the country, place I'd never been before. I didn't know where we were. And we drove, this, this is back in the late 90s, we drove this Chevy Astro minivan. Anybody remember those Astros? Man, they, they were quite the ride and not good in the snow. And I remember it was Valentine's Day and I didn't know where I was going and the roads were slick and we ended up getting like stuck on the side of a road and it would not move. It would not go anywhere. We didn't have cell phones back then. We didn't know what we were going to do. I went a direction that I didn't know where I was going and I got trapped there. I felt on Valentine's Day and Rhonda probably even more so both deceived and enslaved. And then some guy with a pickup truck came by. And he happened to have some chains. And he pulled us right out of there. I mean, he saved Valentine's Day. He, he saved us when we were stuck. And I remember that feeling, that, that grateful feeling. And it would not have made any sense for me to have said, hey, thanks, man, sure appreciate it. And then start driving recklessly again and ended up just stuck on my journey one more time. Can I tell you, God has rescued us. He has saved us so to get past our past we remember what he's done and those places where we got stuck in the past we need to say Jesus will you help me not to be there anymore and sometimes we go but I don't know that I can do that like I don't know that I can be good enough like Chad you mentioned earlier that disobedience comes with consequences and I've got some of those in my life and I don't know that I can move past that disobedience. I don't know that I can ever be good enough. And here's what's cool about those verses we read. They tell us that his mercy covers over our disobedience. That his mercy covers over our disobedience. So many of us grew up in environments where our idea of God was that if I'm good enough, then God will love me. And can I tell you, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, Paul told Titus in those verses we looked at that it's not by the works of righteousness that we do. It's according 
to his mercy. His mercy covers over your disobedience. Look, I'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. And God knows that. So when you can't get past your past, when you're stuck there, remember he saved you because of his love and his kindness, not because of any righteousness on your part, but strictly because of his mercy. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine say this to us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You don't do it, and I don't do it. It is when we put our faith in what Jesus has done that we find that his mercy covers our disobedience. And watch this. I love this. That his generosity covers over our foolishness. That his generosity covers over our foolishness. What do you mean by that? The Bible tells us that he has poured his love out on us. That he's not held it back, but that he gives his very best to us. And you might be in a place where, and I know foolish is a hard word, but you remember what we said? It was like a, a lack of spiritual understanding. It was a lack of seeing the big picture. It was a lack of knowing what was really going on in the world around us, or maybe even making bad decisions. Maybe it's when we're in a place of suffering, or maybe when we're in a place of difficulty. And what I want you to know is that when it's when we're in those moments where it feels like we're stuck, where we can't move forward, when we're, when we're in a place where we can't get past our past, it's in those moments when God is ready with the most generosity, most generously to pour out his love and kindness and mercy and salvation into our lives. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter five, verse three, because I think this is really interesting. Paul says this, Romans chapter five, verse three. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. What? We, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces, and here's, here's where he generously pours into our lives. Because when I have spiritual foolishness, when I can't see the big picture, I'm in suffering and I go, I must be stuck here. Instead, watch this. Suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been, are you ready for this? Poured out. It's that same idea in Titus chapter 3 about how he has generously poured out these things in our lives. He has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Did you see what it said there? He says, when you are in a place where you're suffering, recognize that even in this place where you are, even if you feel like you can't move forward, it's in that place that God is most generously pouring out his love into our hearts, that, that he's working in our lives, and that you can trust him. Like, I know that there's probably some of you who in this moment, feel like you're stuck in a place where maybe you're suffering or maybe you can't move forward or maybe you don't know what to do and recognize that it's in this place that God is pouring out his love into your heart. Look, I know that there are times, whether it be because of regret or temptation, that we feel like we can't move past our past. 
And when those little voices show up in your head, when those feelings hit your heart, when you, when you sense that you can't move forward, you remember that those aren't things that are coming to you from God because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Instead, the Holy Spirit reminds us that what we used to be, that, that's kind of the before, we are no longer because this is the after. See, before Jesus, this is what we were. But after Jesus... This is what we have become. See, my reminder to you is this. When you can't get past your past, remember what Jesus did. When you can't get past your past, remember what Jesus did. Why? Why does it matter? Go back to Paul writing to Titus, island of Crete. He says, Titus, you're dealing with some shady folks. Let's just be honest. Someday, I can be kind of shady. Some days, you probably can too. And he says, Titus, as you're dealing with these folks who need to get past their past, who need to move beyond where they are, you remind them of what Jesus did. And here's why. Two, two takeaways. After Paul talks about the before and after, he says this. Titus chapter 3, verse 7. He says, the reason is so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Remember that word. Heirs having the hope of eternal life. Here's something that some of you really need to hear. You are more than your past. You are more than your past. You're not just what you used to be. You're not just what you did. You're not just what somebody else did to you. You have been called, that verse says, to be an heir. You need to realize that your life is not just about your past. It's not even just about your present. It's about your future. It's about who God has called you to be. You know, one of the real temptations, I guess, in this season of time, in an election season, in a pandemic season, is to focus on the temporary, to think that life is just about what's happening to me right now. Can I tell you, life is bigger than that. Like, we're going to get through this. And someday this election will be over. Someday all the things surrounding this pandemic will be over. And when those things are over, what will continue is our relationship with God. What will continue is who we are in him. And may I encourage you, do not make short-term decisions that affect you with long-term consequences. Don't make temporary decisions that will somehow impact your eternity. Be reminded today that you are more than your past. You are an heir. You belong to God, and we live for something more. Titus chapter 2, I want to read this for you because he says to Titus, help them to see that there's more to this. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, he says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait, see it's not just about today, it's not just about your past, it's about the future. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm not waiting for an election 
to be over. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm not waiting for the day when kids don't have to wear masks in schools or when I don't have to wear a mask in the grocery store. You know what I'm not waiting for? I'm not waiting for 2020 to be over. Those aren't the things that my focus is on. I'm waiting for the blessed hope, the day that Jesus Christ returns. That's what my focus is on. And if my focus is on that, it helps me to realize I am so much more than my past. I am living out my future. Paul says, if you're going to get past your past, you have to know you are more than your past. And look at what he says here in a minute. And he says this, we are eager to do what is good. You have good things to do. God has created you. He's made you to live in a way where you have good things to do. Titus chapter 3, verse 8. Why did he walk him through this before and after? Here's why. Because this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. Do you know why I'm preaching this? Because Paul said to Titus, I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God, is that you? May be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And that you and I may be careful to devote ourselves to doing what is good. Because these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Paul says, Titus, I want you to stress these things because in a culture that can sometimes be kind of shady and in a world that gets stuck in the past, if you're not careful, you'll be distracted from what is good. So, so stress this before and after. Stress what Jesus has done. Stress who you are in the future because you have good things to do and I don't want you to get so lost, so stuck in the past that you can't get past, that you're unable to do the good things that God has called you to do. I recently read kind of a comical story about a country western singer, a country musician whose name is Kane Brown. Kane just recently bought a new house. It's on 30 acres of land, and those 30 acres then back up to another kind of 3,000 acres of forest and on the day he moved in boxes everywhere he says to his wife you know I just want to go out for a little while and explore the property I'll be back in 30 minutes I know we got to unpack I know we have things to do I'll be back in 30 minutes and so he went out him and a couple of friends and they went out and as they're exploring the property it takes them not 30 minutes but they get lost he doesn't have his phone his friend's phone's battery's about to die. They're not sure what to do. They're kind of lost out there. They could all turn around. He finally goes, I know who one of my neighbors is. I'll call my neighbor and see if they can help me. So there's three of them out in the woods. Calls his neighbor. His neighbor says, I know where you're at. I'll come get you. He comes out to get him. Now there's five of them. And the five of them get lost. In the midst of this 30 minutes, it turns into three hours. The sun goes down. It drops down to about 40 degrees. They start to wonder, are we ever going to get out of here? Like he knows he's supposed to be back at the house. There's things that his wife wants him to do. They have a little baby. There's things he's got to do to unpack. And he says, I'll be back in 30 minutes. Now it's turned into three hours. There's five of them lost. Temperatures have dropped. It's dark. He finally says, we maybe need to do something. One of the people who has asthma kind of starts to have a bit of a panic attack. And they say, we've got to call for help. So while this dude's in his own backyard... He has to call the police to come and rescue him. Eventually they come and they help them get out of where they are. And he says, the, the worst part was that my wife thought I was just trying to get out of unpacking boxes. 
She, she thought I was just trying to avoid the, the things I needed to do. I mean, that's kind of a funny story until I realized that many of us find ourselves kind of lost in the backyards of our past. And we get stuck there and it's hard for us to move forward. It's not where you need to stay. In fact, there are things that you've been called to do, good things. There are things that you need to unpack in your lives. There are things that you need to do to move in and move forward and you can't do it if you're wandering around lost in your past. God's called you to those good things. And maybe just like Cain Brown, the only way you're gonna get out of there is if you ask somebody for help. And today's the day where I wanna challenge you. If you look at these lists and you see some places where you can't get past your past, would you remember that out of his kindness and love, Jesus saved you by his mercy And in this season, he generously wants to pour his love out into your life because you are not your past. God has created and called you with good things to do. So I'm gonna invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are right now, whether in your home or you're watching or listening to this somewhere. Just kind of take a moment and allow yourself right where you are to to kind of focus in on God. And would you let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart Like whether you realize it or not at the beginning of this message, God may be saying to you, I want to help you move past your past. And would you just be willing to say to him, God, I'll give it to you. In fact, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but there's that little area of your life, temptation or regret, that you've just never surrendered to him. Maybe in this moment it would be right for you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Or maybe you've never surrendered your life to him. Maybe you've been looking for hope or peace or that that grace or mercy, all these different places, and you just can't seem to find it. And you say, look, I can't do it on my own anymore. And maybe today's the day that you say, Jesus, I know that I need you. I give you my life. He can offer you forgiveness. He can give your life purpose. And whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time or whether today you say, I need to make him the center of my life today for the first time or for this time, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're comfortable, right where you are, you you could pray this out loud with me and pray, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask today that you'd forgive my sin be my savior I give my life to you my risen Lord I look to you to help me move past my past to the good things you have for me to do in Jesus name amen Look, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you'll notice in the comments that there is a place that you can go to and click to find out more about Jesus. Or you can go out to our webpage and there as well, you can find a link that you can, you can click and that will take you. We wanna help you know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you as we go. Father, thanks for your word and how it speaks to us. Thanks for the way that you remind us, not just that we're not who we used to be, 
but that because of what you've done, we are heirs, we are your children with good things to do. Lord, would you help us in these challenging, even shady times, to live our lives in a way that honors you and points others to Jesus. Lord, would you bless us with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen.